Hi, and welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paula Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched, and we'll be talking about, a whole bunch of Pixar shorts. This is the second in our series of Pixar short specials, or whatever <laughs> we want to call it. Do we want like a name for this series? Pixar shorts. I mean, it's called Pixar shorts. It's the Pixar short series. Yeah. Jan, should do? Should we? Should I? Should it be my part right now to name all the shorts that we just watched? Yes. Okay, we watched Jerry's Game, For the Birds, Boundin, Mike's New Car, and Jack-Jack Attack. And as with the previous Pixar shorts special episode, we're going to basically treat these like five very short episodes of Way Too Seriously. We'll take each movie, we'll do our whole thing for each one, and then we'll move on. So let's start with the first one, Jerry's Game. Jan, do you want to tell us a bit about this movie? Short? It's by Pixar. They all are. Jerry's Game is a 1997 Pixar short. It aired before A Bug's Life in theaters. It is directed by Jan Pink... No. Jan. Jan Pinkava. Uh, I want to say Jan because that's my name, but he is a man, and generally when men are named Jan... It's pronounced Yan. This was the first Pixar short to air with a movie in theaters to set the precedent for what would become standard in Pixar movies. Paul, what's the plot, if there is one, of Jerry's Game? An old man, presumably, I am figuring this from context clues, Jerry, plays a game of chess against himself. Cheats. (laughs) And wins his dentures from himself. Yep, that's 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 it. So, in terms of how much, how uh, objectively good this one is, it this... is quite good. Yes. This is the first one that I feel like is really it. Like, it has the Pixar logo in front of it. This one has just clever music clever acting it's just a step above all the other ones we saw in our last episode were kind of pixar working out what pixar was and this is like real pixar yes this is like a it's hard to believe i mean there's almost uh whatever nick knick knack was 1989 and jerry's game is 1997 Mm -hmm. so it's like eight years later but the difference between Knickknack and Jerry's Game is massive. Yeah. Both in terms of, like, the animation is so good in this compared to Knickknack, which was like they were doing their best at the time. <laughs> yeah. The gulf between this and between Knickknack and this is enormous. And not just in terms of, like, the technology has improved, like Luxo Jr., and Knickknack and Tin Toy were all good for the time. Whereas this looks good mm-hmm. for any time. Like, it still is a visually appealing. But then also, this has the most heart. Uh, like, la- our last episode, I said Luxo Jr. was the only re- 
was the only good one, according to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this has all the heart of Luxor Jr. and then some. Yeah. Right? It feels like they're not, they're aiming for some, for a different thing in this. The other ones were all like, graphics test slash uh, <laughs> short. Mm-hmm. And you could tell, like when we talked about uh, Tin Toy, you could really tell that they were working out shadows. So they had a short that was had a lot of shadows in it, right? Mm-hmm. And this, they're not doing this to work. And if they are doing this to work something out, they're worked it out, right? This just looks great and is great and is a self-contained story. I think objectively yep. this one, this is so good. I agree. I agree. Um, non-objectively, this one is so good. Yeah. Like, it's hilarious. It's uh, just, like, it's both, like, funny and really sad, which kind of sums up Pixar in it, general. It does. <laughs> because it's so, like, him playing chess with himself and, like, going back and forth is, like, hilarious. But also, like, he's playing with himself because he has no one to play with. That's sad. It's like an old man alone in the park. No one, yeah, clearly alone, metaphorically. I mean, like, it's a metaphor for loneliness in old age. It's a metaphor. It's doing all the same emotional things that the beginning of Up does, really. Mm-hmm. To, like, less but hitting the same notes. <laughs> and like, yeah, it, it, and it's hilarious. Yeah. Hilarious. Even having seen it before lots of times, like I was just having a conversation with someone about how comedy of all genres of fiction, comedy, mystery, and horror. They said, that was Kate. Hello, Kate. At K8Met on Twitter said that she thought that um, of all genres of fiction, comedy, mystery, and I think she said horror, comedy, mystery, and horror, require surprise. You have to, you can't know what's going to happen or the magic goes away of like a mystery or a comedy. And this is an example of one that there's no surprise. I know exactly what's going to happen. So it should be less funny, but it is still really funny. All of that is just to say, despite the fact that I know what's going to happen because I've seen it before, I still find this personally quite funny. Is there anything way Way too too serious serious. to talk about in this? I mean, maybe two things. Um, One is, is Jerry someone with a rich inner imaginative life or is he delusional and senile i think it's the former not the latter like a big part of the humor is the way that he reacts like suspiciously to like i mean i didn't say this in my summary but at one point one of him you know it cuts as if there's two people sitting on each side of the chessboard, although it's both the same person, and he fakes a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And the other one, 
like look skeptically and like, are you okay? Um, and what makes it so funny is that he really, the acting, which is in the animation, he really sells that like skepticism turning into real concern. That like, how is he fooled? It's him, right? <laughs> I think that he is just a man with a rich imagination, partly because I'm like this. <laughs> so I play crazy imagination games with myself. And if he's, if there's something wrong with him, there's something wrong with me, which might be true, but I'm just, I don't like to think that something's wrong with him. I think he's just imaginative like I am. Because there is a like sense of, is this a lonely old man who is uh, dissociating from reality is the butt of our joke. Mm, Yeah. Right. That it's, uh, there's something touching and moving about his loneliness, but also we're making it a joke. Yes, that's also a good point. I don't know, though. I'm reaching, Yeah, I think. I'm also... Uh, uh, my other reaching complaint is, like, the black side is evil and the white side is good. But that's also calling on tropes that aren't necessarily about race, just about, like, black and white is how you describe things. I wouldn't, that's very interesting, because I wouldn't have said that the black side is evil. He's the black the ba- side he's is... He's the bad guy who's, like, laughing at him and knocking the, him down. The black player is much more aggressive and confident and, uh, you know... But the white player is the one who's evil, because he cheats. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, one of them... The one is, like cocky and aggressive but he's playing by the rules of chess and he ends up being bamboozled right good point okay fair enough i was just always on the side of of white because <laughs> well, of course he's you the, are he's the underdog and then he he beats the other one I <laughs> through dishonesty both... <laughs> through dishonesty that's maybe the last one is like is the point of this story that uh cheat if you have to if that's what it takes to win <laughs> Maybe. So the next Pixar short we watched was For the Birds. And For the Birds, there are a bunch of small squeaky birds on a telephone wire, and a big squawky bird comes and sits between them. The squawky bird, the squeaky birds don't like him, and they knock him off, and he's hanging down, and they peck at his little toes. And then they realize that he's pulling down the wire so much, but it's too late. And as soon as he lets go, they all fly up in the air and then fall down uh, and lose all their feathers. The end. So For the Birds is a 2000 Pixar short. Uh, It was directed by Ralph Eggleston, and it aired before Monsters, Inc. We did that in backwards order. Usually you tell us about it and then i tell us what happened in it that's fine it's it's, we're mixing things up we're loose keeping people on their toes objectively how good is for the birds like so good (laughs) it is right (laughs) objectively uh for the birds is beautifully animated well done hilarious it's uh in the tradition that we've seen so far there's no talking. Yep. 
to just noises. That was the same with Jerry's game. Yeah. And I think that was a good choice. Agreed. Yeah. For the birds is like, I think, I totally agree with what you just said. It is objectively really well animated. The beats of the story are really well, like it's really well paced. We get strong characterization from the little squeaky birds who are all frowny eyebrows and sneakiness and strong characterization from the big squawky bird who's just like dopely wants to be friends so that we are rooting for him really hard Mm -hmm. (laughs) because he has no malevolence at all. And so we're like, unlike the two Jerry's where it's a little, uh, you know, there's a little bit of iffiness about which one's the good one. There's no question at all that the big bird is the good one, right? Yep. All he wants is to be their friend and they're being mean to him. And so we are so on his side. And it's even, it's cleverly written because it's not just that he pulls down the telephone wire and lets go. It's that he pulls down the telephone wire and before he lets go, they start realizing. And slowly the birds catch on like one by one and start communicating with each other. But it's too late. And that makes the anticipation even better. It makes the funniness even funnier. It just, it works really well. It's basically one gag. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm thinking of it compared to Luxo Jr., which has two twists. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tin Toy, which has two twists. And Jerry's Game, which has two twists. Like, in Jerry's Game, the first twist is that he pretends to have a heart attack to win... A chess game against himself. Or actually, the first twist is that the two hymns have very different personalities. It's funny. And then the second twist is that he pretends to have a heart attack to Cheeked. And the third twist is that it works, right? Yeah. Whereas this is like, there's just the one gag. But they pace it so well Mm -hmm. that it sells, I think, really well. Yeah, absolutely. Non-objectively, how much do you like For the Birds? Oh, it's just, it's a cute little short. It's great. I love it. Unlike Jerry's game, I think it doesn't have a lot of pathos. No. Although we feel sad for the big bird who know, like... It does, and it does have a good metaphor in it. Which is what? Don't be mean. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a metaphor. Okay, a metaphor for um, people's different body shapes Mm -hmm. being perceived as wrong people excluding people based on their body shape yep and it biting them in the butt (laughs) (laughs) and that's like a victory for anyone who looks different or feels different or is rejected because of their difference it's kind of a nice little fantasy to be like haha they get theirs and it is metaphorical because he is colored the same like he's not Mm-hmm. He's not strongly visually a different kind of bird, although yeah. obviously he would be, or like something. Yeah. But visually, he's the same basic design, just with different size and stretched out. Mm-hmm. Which I think is much stronger visual metaphor than if he was like a totally different kind of bird. Yeah. Because it is exactly absolutely. that. Like they all have the same body shape. They're all like each other, and the body shape is a metaphor for body shape, but it's also a metaphor for interest for personality type like they're all the same as each other Mm -hmm. i think it works really well i really like this one yeah me too me too 
I think we already kind of took it too seriously there. Yeah, maybe we did. Is oh. there anything else? Do you want to say it? To take way too seriously. No. no. <laughs> 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 All right, moving on. <laughs> Our next movie that we watched was called Mike's New Car. This was released with the DVD of Monsters, Inc. It's basically a extra scene for Monsters, Inc., it is directed by Pete Doctor and Roger Roger L. Gould, and it came out in 2002. What happens in Mike's new car, Paul? Mike gets a new car. Shenanigans ensue. I don't know, it's hard to use it, <laughs> I guess. Yep. Mike and Sully get beaten up by Mike's new car, and then Mike's new car falls apart. Yeah. Objectively, how good is Mike's new car? It's harder to judge this one when it's basically... There's a couple of ones that we're doing today that are basically deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. Or they they watch like deleted scenes. Yeah. So they're not quite the same narrative as the other ones because you're not being introduced to new characters. These are characters that you already know. And part of the humor in this one relies on us already knowing these characters, mm-hmm. which I'm going to say it's not hard to judge it. That's a weakness of this as a short. Yeah. It doesn't stand alone strongly enough as a short. Yeah, exactly. It tries to. It almost does. We don't really need to know these characters, but they don't uh, give us a strong sense of who these characters are on the out- at the outset. Yeah, exactly. Especially Sully. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's just also there, really. Mm-hmm. I think... Uh, anything else objectively? I mean, this is cute and kind of a funny little extra scene from Monsters, Inc. I think the only thing that saves it is the voice acting. Yeah. Because Billy Crystal is hilarious and he manages to make it really funny by his voice. Not necessarily the visuals. I think it is well animated basically Mm -hmm. like the objects all look good the monsters both look good and even the action is fine in terms of the animation of it i'm surprised that this is pete doctor did pete doctor direct the monsters inc movies he must have he must have because he goes on to do like uh inside out right yes this is like Weak directing. Mm-hmm. Quite weak. In terms of like, this is bad slapstick. I totally agree. Billy Crystal is a talented voice actor. He is selling this with everything he's got. And it still doesn't make me laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, Billy Crystal... I can go on record to say Billy Crystal, specifically as Miracle Max, is, like, one of the funniest uh, performers I can think of. Yes. I think particularly of Miracle Max, but in lots of stuff. Like, he's so funny. But Slapstick is not his forte. Mm-hmm. Monsters, Inc. required him to do Slapstick, and it wasn't really funny in the movie either. Mm-hmm. And then, like, in this, it's contrived slapstick. 
It's all like, whoa, 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 I'm getting beat up by a windshield wiper. I don't know what button to push. I think it's funny for kids. I, I think guess. this one is funny for kids to watch Mike and Sully get into an adventure. And for adults, it's kind of like, meh. It feels like a deleted scene that should have been deleted. I can say, as someone who has written short story, like farcical short stories where like things get out of hand and it gets worse and worse, that like, uh, what is difficult about that is to have them there be any kind of like it has to be plausible <laughs> mm-hmm. that things are getting out of hand. And my own writing, so I. I, it sometimes isn't, and I'm like, oh, this is just like, you know, whoa, 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 what if I accidentally spill everything everywhere because whoops? And like, I recognize when I'm writing it, that sucks, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? They must have recognized that this sucked. All the all the danger, all the slapstick is like for no reason. Yeah. It's like, remember when we watched uh, that ballet movie, Leap? Ugh, yes. Or ballerina. And, like, there was slapstick where the guy just, like, literally stepped in a bucket for no reason. Yep. Good times. This is, like, not <laughs> quite that bad, but it's in that wheelhouse. Yeah. So let's move on. I think we've said that we didn't, that how much we enjoy it. I, I dislike this, this one. Yeah. I found it meh. I liked it less than meh. I mean, do we have anything way too seriously to say about... I think we've already said it. Mike's car? Yeah, not really. Okay. Our next movie is Boundin, a 2003 movie that appeared before The Incredibles in theaters. Uh, directed, narrated, and everything by Bud Lucky. Lukey? What's Boundin about, Paul? <sighs> There's a sheep who likes to tap dance, and then he gets sheared and is embarrassed. And then a jackalope comes and tells him that he should jump. So he does, and he's happy then. How good of a movie is this? Objectively speaking, I'm going to start with the high notes, and that won't take long. (laughs) It's good looking. It's a good looking... It is. The character design is strong. The visual gag of him all fluffy, fluffy, and then when he gets sheared and he's so small and skinny underneath. Mm -hmm. That's a fairly good visual gag. It's not as good visually as Jerry's game Mm -hmm. or for the birds, but it's good Mm -hmm. visually, mostly. The character design on the jackalope, I think, is pretty bad, actually. Yep. But on the sheep is good. The water is quite good. Hmm. I, no- I noticed watching at this time how well done the water was and the little fish jumping out of the water. Good. <laughs> good for little, them. A little condescending there. Well, it's there's not a lot else good to say about it. I want to... I am very picky personally about uh poetry Mm -hmm. so maybe that's the other thing that i'll say about it is that the content like doing a whole thing in verse is tricky (laughs) is a gamble yeah and the lyrics the the 
are pretty good in terms of they scan mostly, none of the rhymes are really forced. It's, it's mostly pretty good poetically in terms of just the technical uh, poetry rather than the content. Mm-hmm. That's about all good I can say about it, though, because the content of that poem is, like, very weak. The song, like, it's it's got a tune, but then it's said instead of sung. And that's kind of a cute concept. The song is weak, though. Like, it's not a good song. It's an adequate song. Compared yeah. to, like, the music in Jerry's Game and For the Birds are both is both really good. This one is just like, it's like a, a honky-tonk country melody that is fine as that. And then the, like, story of it. I don't know, we're, we're getting into, is this still objective? I can't remember. <laughs> I think we're already getting into the too seriously. <laughs> I mean, I've said some stuff objectively and some stuff that has gone into how much I liked it. Do you have anything to add? I think that neither of us really liked this one that much. You obviously hate it. (laughs) I don't love it, but I don't hate it with a flaming passion the way you do. I just, it's kind of a curiosity to me that like, what are they trying to say? Like, I don't mind watching it, and, like, the music is is kind of dumb, and it feels like it's just really trying to be a moralistic tale, like a fable. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. trying really hard to be a fable. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's succeeding at that. Mm-hmm. I do think that it's really cute when he gets shaved Yep. It's really uh, funny when he dances. It's. But it also just falls quite short. Yeah. In my opinion, spoilers for a future one that we're going to do one day, this to me is the second worst Pixar short. Mm-hmm. And what's the worst one? Well, we'll get to that, dear listener. We're not talking about it today. The one that, according to me, is the worst one we're not getting to today. But this, to me, is the second worst one. Mm-hmm. Do we want to move into Way Too Seriously? Sure. Do you want to introduce that? I think you just made an echo right now with your voice. I can't echo. I don't have that skill. So, like, what you said about it being a fable... I can recognize, one of the things that makes this so frustrating is I can recognize that they're aiming for something, right? They mm-hmm. want to have a moral. They, like, he dances, and then when he gets shorn, all the prairie dogs laugh at him, and so he feels sad. Mm-hmm. And then the jackalope comes and says, like, Now, sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down. When you find that you're down, well, just look around. You still got a body, good legs and fine feet. Get your head in the right place and hey, you're complete. And then he feels, he starts jumping and feels happy. Yep. What do they think that the moral of this story is? 
be yourself? <laughs> I think that's closest to what actually is the moral of the story. But that's not what the jackalope says to him at all. No. Be happy despite being sad? Yeah. Just jump and everything will be better? It's like they're trying you to You don't make... need to dance. You just need to jump. They're trying to make some kind of metaphorical meaning out of rebound. Be the jackalope. Don't be the sheep. Like when things get you down, you rebound and get back up. Like a positive plucky attitude. I don't know. I don't know what they want this moral of this story to be. I think it's keep your chin up and rebound when things are bad. And if so, that's a bad moral. <laughs> right? And even if it was a good moral, they don't sell it properly. Don't be yourself. Be the yeah. jackalope. <laughs> right? And then... And there's no punishment for the jerky other animals. No. We're total and, jerks. And actually, like, Jerry's game and For the Birds are both really about punishment. <laughs> comedic <laughs> punishment for misbehavior, right? I'm all about comedic punishment, apparently. No one gets punished in this. That doesn't bother me that much, but it is a change, right? And it is a weakness in a fable. Mm-hmm. Because a fable has to have a strong... I mean, a fable can do a lot of things, but the most memorable fables have strong positive outcome and strong negative outcome to really drive home the idea, right? Yeah. And this is just like, he kind of feels better. <laughs> they also make a big deal out of the jackalope. I mean, maybe not make a big deal as the throwaway line, but I think they draw attention to the jackalope as an American jackalope. Uh, they put some emphasis on American. And I feel like what is the subtext there is that this is like about American know-how and hard work in a way that I find very alienating to me as a non-American and also condescending. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. In a way that jingoism is often condescending. That yeah. Like, what we know how to do in America is work hard. It's our freedom that everyone envies. And, like, let me tell you, uh, as someone who's not American, no, <laughs> that's not <laughs> correct. And it's not just about American, like, it's about jingoism in general. Like, yeah. when, you, when you meet a group of people and they're like, what makes us as whatever, as people who go to this school, we're the school that really cares. And like, yeah, every school cares. We're the wacky radio station to BB2L FM, where we're wild and crazy. Like, every radio station says that about themselves. That's not jingoism anymore, but it's like... The sense of taking extremely mundane traits and making them exceptional to you alone is stupid. <laughs> and there's that beneath this, that, like the jackalope who rebounds, who's an American. <laughs> I feel like you've taken this a little too far. And this is the show where we take things too far. <laughs> I agree. Bounden is, is, is seriously bad. Yeah, we haven't done this for any of the, we haven't done our shtick for any of the previous three 
Uh, I thought we might do it at the end. <laughs> for all of them? Sure. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. Are we, are we done with... Are you done ranting? <laughs> do, you, do you have nothing to add? Okay. We can move on. Our next movie... Movie? Our next short is... Jack Jack Attack, which was released in 2005 with The Incredibles DVD. It is uh, directed by Brad Bird, who also directed The Incredibles. Mm-hmm. Objectively. Oh, what happens yeah, in what, it? What happens in this, Paul? Do you not remember your role in this <gasps> I just don't. podcast? Um, Jack Jack Attack is even more than, like, in the... Mark, Mike's new car, you said, is like a cutscene from... Monsters, Inc. Jack-Jack Attack is really like a cutscene from The Incredibles. But it's like, while The Incredibles is happening, Jack-Jack is home alone, and his babysitter, Kari, uh, discovers that he has powers, and she is ill-equipped to deal with his many startling powers until Syndrome comes to take over for, and tells her that he's the replacement babysitter. That's the plot of Jack-Jack Attack. Sure is. Objectively, how good is Jack-Jack Attack? I mean, it's as good as The Incredibles, sort of. <laughs> it's like, in terms of like animation and yeah. funniness and stuff, it's basically like just like lifted from The Incredibles. Yeah. Kari is... Uh, I love her voice and her... Like, she's just hilarious. Agreed. She's done really well. And she makes this short extra funny because she's funny in The Incredibles and then you get seeing extra bits from her is great. Agreed. I, th- I basically agree with you. I think that this is as good as The Incredibles. I think this is, I mean, it doesn't have the emotional weight that The Incredibles does for good or bad. Um, but like you said, Mike's new car was like a scene out of Monsters, Inc. This is like, you could plop this into The Incredibles and you wouldn't blink, right? It's, it's the B-side. It's the B-side. And it has all the strengths of The Incredibles and the weaknesses of The Incredibles such as they are. I think The Incredibles is a pretty great movie. Mm-hmm. I think this is a pretty great short. But what you said about Mike's new car that I pushed back on you a little bit, I think is definitely true of this one. This doesn't really work on its own. No. Mike's new car almost works on its own, as well as it works at all, which isn't that well. But this is great as a cutscene from The Incredibles, and kind of fails if you don't already know. If if you came into this not knowing The Incredibles, you would not know what was going on. I disagree. Go ahead. About it being good. <gasps> oh no! Okay, go! <laughs> I said it was as good as The Incredibles in terms of, like, animation and funniness and stuff. I don't like Jack-Jack. Hmm. Very much. (laughs) He was okay in Incredibles 2, but the whole, like, out-of-control baby and the babysitter who, like, is losing him and he's gonna fall and die and he's gonna kill her and he's setting the place on fire. (laughs) It makes me deeply uncomfortable okay i don't really like watching it <laughs> i don't really want to see what happened with kari in the off scene i don't like jack jack i do like kari 
I think the best moment in this short is when Syndrome shows up and she does not question him at all. She just hands him the babies like, you're the replacement babysitter. Okay, here you go. See you later. <laughs> when he's clearly not the replacement babysitter. Yeah. Yeah. So you think it's good. I do not enjoy this. I think it's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yep. Is that a? Are you trying to oh, be objective? No, is that, that is not objective. To it, <laughs> that's not objective because you'd moved into non-objective. I did. I think if we back up a little bit into objective, like visually it works, and uh, the it has conflict that gets resolved. Um, it's a little one note. Mm-hmm. The performance, the vocal performance from Kari, is really good. I think. Yeah. Non-objectively, you did not like it. And I mostly liked it, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're talking about babies in danger? Is that you going into the way too seriously? Possibly. Yes. I am taking this way too, way too seriously. seriously. Do you want to continue to do that? What's the problem? Oh, I don't think it's necessarily a problem. It's a problem with me. I don't want to see babies in danger because babies are innocent and small and cute and I don't <laughs> want them to be in danger. I don't want... I don't like... How do I put this? I don't like a baby who has weird adult powers. Hmm. I feel like it takes away the innocence of babies and it makes us see them differently. And babies are something that need to be protected and nourished and loved. And I feel like both Kari and Jack are children. Kari is the babysitter who is like 16, maybe. Yeah. And is all gung-ho and doing her best. And this ruins her. And I mean, apparently they wipe her memory at the end. But I still feel like... It just feels like it was a bad parenting decision to leave him with her. It was, uh, yeah, I just don't like that. Hmm. <laughs> I don't also like, I don't like the out of controlness of like in Incredibles 2 where they can't, where like he just keeps feeding the baby cookies. Yeah. I agree with you there. I think, uh, there is. A real madcap slapstick feeling to this that I think lands in a way that it's like what they were the the mood they were going for in Mike's new car mm-hmm. that I think lands in this and didn't in Mike's new car and because of, I just believe it in yeah. a way that I didn't in Mike's new car mm-hmm. things are out of control and that's where the comedy comes from yeah I can understand why. You might not like that, though. Yeah. I would agree that this is better than Mike's new car. Somewhat. (laughs) Is there, like... Is there a metaphor here that uh, Jack-Jack... And, like, I want to leave Incredibles 2 out of it. Because I think they go in different places. And I don't disagree at all that they push this too hard in Incredibles 2. But Incredibles 2 isn't this. Okay. Right? Fair. In this, is there a metaphor here that um, Kari thinks she's ready for 
childcare, and he is metaphorically out of control because babies are harder to care for than she is prepared for. That yeah. They're, that, like, it's a metaphor for childcare, but adult responsibilities in general that she believes that she's prepared for, and it's done with comedy, but what's beneath it is that, like, the world of adult responsibilities is she's not ready for is more difficult and unpredictable and uncontrollable than she expects Mm -hmm. and she ends the short being like i want to go back and it's uh metaphorically i want to go back to the innocence of my childhood and they wipe her memory and allow her to hmm yeah that's a good point yeah i mean taking care of babies is really hard yeah and that like they don't shoot lasers at you and light on fire, but they do hurt you emotionally and physically sometimes. And, and make giant messes. And make giant messes and... Sometimes when your back is turned for two seconds. They disappear. Yeah. Or don't... Or, like, do things that you could not have predicted. And, like, the metaphor of bursting into flames is they, like, you know, they're volatile. Yeah. In ways that, whether you're Kari or a parent, no one's prepared. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, that's a cliche, but that's like what this short is really about. Though no one's prepared to take care of a baby. Yeah. I'm not 100% convinced, but it's you, you, <laughs> I can see where you're going with that. I really, my praise for it uh, really revolves around it being, I think, successful at the kind of madcap slapstick that Mike's new car was aiming for. Yeah. Yeah. So that was five Pixar shorts that we watched. Um, Do we want to go back and rate them each good and seriously good? Sure. Jerry's game. Good and seriously good. Agreed. Uh, For the birds. Good and seriously good. Agreed. Uh, Mike's new car. Bad and seriously bad? Is it seriously bad? I don't know if it's seriously bad. I think it's seriously neutral. Seriously medium, yeah. And maybe maybe I agreed on Jerry's game that it was seriously good. I don't know what it does to be seriously good. It's just good. It's just me. It's like <laughs> neutral also. Yeah. I think For the Birds is seriously good. But we buy it quite fast. And I think maybe Jerry's game is seriously medium good. Okay. Or even just medium. And I think Mike's new car is bad and seriously medium. Okay. I can agree with both of those. Bounden? Bad and seriously bad. Agreed. And Jack-Jack Attack? Bad and seriously medium. I do not want to argue (laughs) that uh, Jack-Jack Attack is good. Because I think it has real failings just as a piece of film. As a short film. And the biggest one is that it does not stand on its own, I think. But it's not bad. <laughs> I can be argued up to medium. I can be argued down to medium. Okay. It's, I mean, it's definitely not as good as Jerry's Game or For the Birds. Mm-hmm. Just as a short film, the quality of short filming is just not as good. Yeah. So I can call it medium. Seriously. Medium? I mean... Uh, why? 
Because of all the stuff I said. <laughs> babies. Babies. I think that you're... I'm doing jazz hands and you're not seeing them. <laughs> I think that your attitude here towards babies as a metaphorical construct of ultimate goodness deserves real interrogation. Because actually, babies are just more complicated than that. They deserve, they need and deserve and require protection. But you're, we're talking about them like they're absolutely good and totally pure and innocent mm, in every way. That's and like, not what I'm saying. I'm saying they're fragile. Yes. Okay. And I don't like it when some a piece of media portrays them as not fragile because then people sometimes treat them as that in real life. Okay. That is fair. Okay. So seriously, medium at best, Ben. Okay. We said medium and seriously medium? Yes, we did. All right. Well, that was the next five Pixar shorts. We might be back again. Who knows? Maybe next week? Maybe a month from now with another five Pixar shorts. I think five in an episode is pretty good, right? Yep. We are coming up soon on our hundredth episode. So if you have any feedback, any questions you want us to answer, anything... uh, songs you want us to sing uh, <laughs> rants you want us to rant movies you want us to rate etc you know just give us a shout out on twitter facebook instagram and someone, reddit can i just say someone sent us i'm not gonna say who it is because i'm saving it to actually do it in the hundredth episode but someone sent us a question about like what do you think about this aspect of children's movies in general which is a great kind of question mm-hmm. that does not really fit in a usual episode of Way Too Seriously, but I would love to talk about the theory of children's media if you would be interested in hearing it. And I bet you would too, Jan, right? Absolutely. So that kind of question is the kind of question that we could happily answer in our 100th episode. And I was going to say the one more place you can send it to us, which is an email address, Way Too Seriously Cast at gmail.com Lastly, if you like what we do you can support us on Patreon for whatever amount you choose per month and that is at patreon.com slash clockworkscast Anything else we say here? I think that's about it. I've been Paul Moffat I've been Jan Moffat and I'm off to play a game of chess against myself Yeah, because I'm not going to play it with you (laughs) Oh